Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Mike Stafford, the Portable Pastor, bringing you another teaching from God's Word. Hope you're having a great day today. I am. It's a little cloudy and rainy outside, but I am tucked away neatly in my office in my clover blue-gray painted office and got my cup of coffee, and I'm ready to share God's Word with you. I'm going to take a little break from Matthew for a little while. I mean, I'm I'm intending to cover Matthew's uh, next section in a few weeks. I was supposed to do that today, but after looking at it, it, it seems that the section is actually three or four sections in a row, and I don't want to divide that, so we'll we'll postpone that teaching and return to that in, in June. We will return to that study on June 18th, so I'm going to be out for a couple weeks. This will be my last podcast for about three weeks, but next Sunday at our church, our own Steve Myers will be preaching from his favorite psalm, and that's what the series is going to be uh, for the next few weeks, is some of our favorite psalms. He's going to talk to us about Psalm 100. The Sunday after that, uh, Mother's Day, Pastor Dave's going to be preaching from Psalm 116, and I'm going to preach the next the next three Sundays after that and intend to cover Psalm 20, Psalm 40, and Psalm 46. Then on June 11th, Preston Harris, our youth director, is going to preach his favorite song. But today, I want to give you another teaching on, on this same topic. I want to stay on topic of, of workers. And the sermon today is entitled, Workers Prepare Well. But I want to teach this from a letter from Paul. So turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. We'll begin there in just a minute. Colossians is a is an interesting letter. It was written by Paul to the church in Colossae. Now Paul had never never been there, but he spent he spent two years, about 120 miles away, when he was in Ephesus. Now Epaphras, which was one of Paul's converts and trainees, he actually started the church. But Paul wanted to address a few things with the church there. So the first half of this letter covers very clearly the Christology of Christ. Colossae was into angel worship, and Paul appointed Paul, Paul appointed Epaphras there, and he wanted to point these, these believers to the preeminence of Jesus through him, but he wrote this letter to help him do that. See, Jesus had authority, had power over the angels. So, so first, Paul argued that Jesus was Christ. In verses uh, 1 through 19 of chapter 1, it tells us of his intent in, in that portion of the letter. Here's what it says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Then he begins to talk about how Christ saved the church in Colossae. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14. 
And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So he's talking about the preeminence of Christ. He's talking about what Christ did when he saved us. And now he turns to teach them how to live as believers. Now we're going to pick up at verse 12, and we'll receive some teaching today about being prepared for the Christian life. Now follow along as I read Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, and we'll pause along the way for some, some commentary. All right, verse 12, but on put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul knew the importance of the body of Christ working together well. He also knew that that such Peaceful living, it doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally to people, even believers who are made being made into the, the new creation of Christ. This is one reason we have to go through the process of sanctification. By the, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are, we are changing, we're getting better at righteous living, we're moving closer to Christ-likeness. That's sanctification. The Holy Spirit used Paul to show the believers in the church in Colossae the next step in that process. He teaches them to be prepared for ministry. Now notice notice the preparation that true, true believers make to serve Jesus. He implied that workers dress well. Now I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually, that they dress well. Verses 12 through 14 tells us that. Now I, I know that that some people are really into clothes and fashion. They, they try to make a statement with their dress. Most of the time I ask myself, what, what statement in the what statement are you trying to make? I, I'm now look, I'm clearly no expert in fashion. And when I see today's clothing style, I think people are just spending a whole lot of money to try to look homeless. That's just me. I, I could just hear them say, you know, I, I really get mad when I rip a new pair of pants. So I'm just going to buy pre-ripped pants or or maybe I, I'm the stuff in these skinny jeans. And I think, yeah, right. You're the double stuffed. <laughs> but the way some some women dress today, I guess they assume that they'll be working out everywhere they go. And men, I need to tell you, sun's out, guns out wasn't invented for the restaurant. Some men obviously think clothes that were made in the styles of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, that those styles have come full circle or in back in fashion again today, like like Argyle sweater vests with a plaid shirt. What, what is a man who wears Argyle sweaters with a plaid shirt saying in this fashion statement? I can tell you because I am that man. Such a man has the mindset that you know, I really live to embarrass myself. I've just given up. I work too too long. I work too hard. I'm too tired to go shopping. I'm I'm satisfied with with never attracting a, a woman's attention ever again. That's that's what we think. So anyway, fashion is, is a funny thing, and, and it's often driven by our perception of what good and acceptable is. Well, likewise, when it comes to spiritual clothing. Paul felt the need to tell them what is good, what is acceptable for a Christian. Obviously, some were getting it wrong. 
So he writes that there are things a believer must put on spiritually. And, and what did he say? He said they are clothed in compassion. Paul says to put on a compassionate heart. That that word compassion means being aware of another's troubles and, and having the desire to alleviate them. That that sympathetic mindset, that comes from God. He, he saw our troubles with the consequences of sin, and he sent his son to take care of it, right? So he writes us, he write, Paul's writing to us to, to put on compassion, to be like God. And then he writes and tells us to put on kindness. The same sympathy that, that drives compassion also drives kindness. It, it means to have a gentle quality about you when, when you're dealing with people. That, that general that, that gentle interaction, that quality about you when you're dealing with people, that, that's a learned quality from God. Who, who tenderly cares for us, right? So we're, we're to put on kindness. We're to put on humility. Humility is a, is a personal quality that shows freedom from arrogance. You see, a humble person will always seek to elevate another. So the freedom from arrogance allows you to, to value others, and, and it results in a character change that's brought about uh, from God. So another thing to put on, he says, is meekness. Meekness is not weakness, as some have said. Meekness is, is strength under control. We are to put a, a restrictor on our, our forceful intentions and our actions. Very rarely do we use all of our forcefulness when dealing with others. We, we would just be too abrasive and too overwhelming. The power to control our thoughts and our actions, really, it's, it's a lifetime pursuit. And it must be taught to us by the Holy Spirit. Next thing he says is to put on patience or forbearance. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines patience as bearing pains and trials calmly and without complaint. In this context, putting on patience means we show forbearance or we, we refrain from enforcing others to, to do something that's, that's due us, you know, like a debt or a right or an obligation. And believers are to clothe themselves with the ability to be okay with not receiving, with not personally benefiting from anything that's supposedly coming to them. Everything needs to be fair to you in this life, right? Well, no, it doesn't. That absence of the need to fulfill personal rights, that, that comes from God. He, even He allows us to live with our choices for a while, right? So, so we're to put on patience, on forbearance. Then He says, put on forgiveness. Instead of insisting that wrongs done to us must be righted, we we must be forgiven. It's the absence of resentment towards someone who wrongs us. This is this is not our nature, is it? Only God can remove that resentful spirit in us. It's simply it's simply too deep seated to address on our own. So uh, we must put that on, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. And finally, Paul tells us to put on love. Paul writes, "Above all else, put on love." Why, why does he say above all else? Because the truth is, is that love drives all those changes in us. Love is the fuel that, that powers all of those things that we just talked about. It, love drives us and changes us. Oh, what, what does God say? God said that he is love, right? So he's the one that does this. So God, if God is love, of course, love's going to be over everything else. Well, those are the seven articles of spiritual clothing that Paul tells believers to put on every, every day. We, we put on the on the opposite, and, and we're going to turn into something that's unappealing to God. It'll be a, a big turnoff to those around us. So we've got to take time every morning to prepare 
for the day's work. Now, that that includes putting on what we need for the day to accomplish the mission. Those are those things. So spiritually speaking, workers dress well. Secondly, Paul tells us that workers think well. Listen to verse 15 and 16. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving or thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, when he says in your hearts, that word heart refers to the part of a of, of a human that makes decisions, it sets values, it sets priorities. You see, in, in biblical times, the heart was more than just a place where emotions came from. Okay? It included the mind, it, it included the will, it, it included our, our value setting, right? So Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit will fill the mind of a true believer. He will work in our emotions. He'll work in our decision-making, in our value setting, in our priorities, and our will. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit will fill the mind of a true believer. That meant all of those things. He will work in all those things. He's telling workers to be prepared by thinking well. And specifically, he says that that a worker's mind is, is full of peace, and specifically the peace of Christ. Well, what is the peace of Christ? Well, John 14, 27 tells us, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So the peace that he's writing about is, is an assurance. It's godly assurance. I mean, that's why we sing some of our most favorite hymns. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. It's, it's the assurance that Jesus will do what he said he will do. He said that he would save us. Have the assurance that he will. That is the peace of Christ. You will do well to think about this every day. Secondly, Paul writes that your mind should be full of gratitude. Every clothing character that we mentioned and every mind-filling attribute is, is mentioned only one time in this passage. Did you realize, did you recognize that thankfulness is mentioned three times? Why do you think thankfulness is mentioned three times in this passage? I think it's because thankfulness or, or gratitude, it works as the, the Holy Spirit's great reminder to be and do right. It's our motivation. It sets the condition of our work. Remember, we work for Jesus out of gratitude, not obligation or an attempt to earn his love. We're highly motivated to serve him, and we're motivated to serve him well when, when we fill our minds with gratitude. He also says to fill your mind with familiarity. I'll read it again. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. He's talking about familiarity with God's word. We have to know what is in here to be able to teach and admonish one another. Admonish one another. Admonish is a is a big word, I know, and it means to give someone some friendly advice or maybe even a gentle warning about something. And to do that correctly, we got to know the right thing to say. We got to know the right thing about which to encourage people and warn people. So we have to be familiar with the scriptures. Paul says, fill your minds with them. And if necessary, use songs to, to help you remember them. That's why a lot of the hymns were, were written the way that they were, they were written. So now we've learned that workers must spiritually dress well for the day. 
We must think well, using peace and gratitude and familiarity with God's word to serve the Lord. Finally, Paul tells us that if if we prepare in this way, we're going to have a better chance of getting it right. His final point is that workers act well. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he says that that our our behavior is reflective. You see, we we don't serve for our personal glory. Instead, we serve for the glory of God. We don't work for to reflect our goodness, but his goodness. That's why we need to do everything in the name of the Lord, not our name. People have to know where that good gift comes from, and it's not coming from us. It may come through us, but it's not coming from us. We want them to turn to Jesus for salvation, not us. When we reflect Jesus, then we work well. But our work shouldn't just be reflective. It should also be reactive. Our work should be a response, a response to what God has already done. Here's here's this gratitude principle again. Our, Our work doesn't seek to push God to do something. Good works are not proactive. They're not forcing God into into action. Instead, our work is a reaction to what he's already done. God God did not become human, live a sinless life, and die on the cross for the sins of those who would place their faith in him because humans were doing it right. Because they were getting, getting, uh, doing good things. They were not. That's nonsense. He died when we could not pay for our sins. He freed us when we were we were stuck in our sins, the psalmist says. He justifies us with God while we are sinners. That's what Paul wrote. We we now work for him out of gratitude. So our work is reactive. Here, here's the point. Believers dress well and they think well in order to act well. That's what he's saying. Paul tells us to prepare for our work. We do so by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, by allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and change us into the image of Christ. Christian, let this Holy Spirit do his work. Don't fight him. Don't buck him. Let him do his work. Let him spiritually dress you. Let him mentally prepare you. Let him direct your actions. Prepare yourself for good works by letting him do his work. Let me ask you. Are you saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus, or are you saved by good works? You're saved by grace, the grace of God through faith in Jesus. And, and I, need to, I need to tell you, if you think that you can be saved by your good works, that, that you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You, you can't earn it. There's none that are righteous. No, not one. That's what the scripture says. You have to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus today. I encourage you to do that today. Settle this today. I'd love to talk with you about that. If you want to start an online conversation, just email me at mike at fbcclover.com. I'll introduce you to Jesus. I'll tell you how you can be saved today. Just send me a quick email. But Christian, are you prepared for this week? If not, you need to get prepared. There's a lot of work to do. We're going to have some opposition, and the devil is definitely going to try to trip us up. So we have to be prepared. We have to be, to do this well, right? So pray for the Holy Spirit to do his work in you and your work through him and do this well. Well, let me pray for us, and then I'm going to cut us loose. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it, it pulls us and draws us attention to what you want 
And we want to do what you want us to do. So, Father, would you have your way in us? Just have your way in us, and we'll, out of gratitude, we're going to serve you as well as we can. Empower us for another week. Thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. Again, won't have a new podcast for about three weeks, but tune back in, and we'll start a study on Psalms for just a few weeks, then we'll get back to Matthew. We'll have a great few weeks. I'll talk to you when I get back, and be blessed. And remember, if you're walking with God, He is very much pro-you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.